All right, appreciate that song. And I uh, couldn't have picked a better song to go along with our message today. We serve a God who is in the redeeming business. Right, no matter where you're at today, God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and it is good. No matter what you're going through, He is there and He is available to you if you would but turn to Him. The problem is we're very impatient people, very easily distracted, and we don't want to wait on God's solution to our problem so often. I'll be the first one to tell you I'm like that, and in a number of very detrimental ways, in fact. Uh, I, I'm, I'm ultra competitive, and uh, I don't like to do anything that I don't know that I'm going to win. Right? So if, if it, it can be a board game. Uh, I, I, I often don't play any board games anymore because if I don't know the game, there's, the chances are I'm not going to win the first time I play, and so I don't want to play. Right? And uh, just yesterday, I kind of crossed into a new era in my adult life where uh, simply because people are younger than me, they're better than me in some athletic competitions. And I'll be honest with you, I don't like it. And so uh, 20-something-year-old beat me in a race with very little training, and I've been training for a long time. And uh, so I uh, have to come to grips with the reality of my aging, and so I might just throw, throw in the towel altogether. Um, find, some, find some other hobby, uh, maybe break into the, uh, the sewing game or the crochet game where I'll have a long time where I can be on top before somebody else comes in and uh, can be better than me at that. But not just with sports. You know, I'm, I'm pretty impatient when it comes to, uh, comes to other things. Uh, I, uh, just kind of a side note, I appreciate everyone uh, reaching out and congratulating us on our, on our new baby. But, you know, the last few weeks before she was born, you know, I'll be honest, I, you know, we just, we just kind of wanted, wanted her to come on out and you know, be done with that whole process. And I know that I was suffering more than my wife was through all of that and had the much greater weight to bear in the midst of all of that. But, you know, I very impatiently wanted the pregnancy to be over and little Jade to be born and to be healthy and, you know, just really antsy throughout that entire process. And, you know, uh, we, we often have many instances similar to those in our life where we grow impatient if you got your Bibles, get to Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32. We become tired of waiting. We become impatient. We have expectations that are impossible to attain. Expectations of God that He has not promised to meet. And often we find ourselves disappointed when things don't go our way. And Exodus chapter 32 is a story that, uh, I'll be honest with you, is very, uh, uh, very confusing when you read it, when you think of the context of what the people of Israel were doing. We're, we'll read the story and then we'll kind of get into some of the details about the story. But Exodus chapter 32, we're going to begin in verse 1. We're just going to read through verse 14 right now. The Bible says, and when the people saw that Moses was delayed, uh, that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. For th as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him. 
Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons and your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in the ears and brought them unto Aaron, and he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after that he had made a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made, uh, made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said, up to Mo- said unto Moses, Go, get thee down for the people which thou brought us out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them and that I may consume them and I will make of thee a great nation. Moses besought the Lord his God, and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought, up, uh, brought forth out of the land of Egypt which, uh, with great power and with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, for mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn thy, face, uh, turn thy fierce wrath and uh, repent of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, this, thy servants, Uh, to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and saidest unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and uh, all the land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall uh, inherit it forever. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do to his people. And uh, my attention is drawn to the beginning of this passage, and uh, in uh, light of all of the events that had taken place in the uh, with the people of Israel up to this point, uh, you would think that this passage would not be present in the Bible. How could the people of God so quickly, as it says in verse 8, turn aside from their faith in God who had brought them out of Egypt and make a molten calf, an idol, uh, raise up another God to go before them into the promised land? How could they do it? And uh, it, it all comes down to this. They grew weary in waiting. They grew weary and waiting. And verse 1 is uh, where, where we were looking. It says, The people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mountain. That was all it took. Just a little delay was all it took for them to say, You know what, uh, God, I know that uh, this manna that we have, um, that, that came from You. The water that we have in the middle of the desert, that came from You. Uh, uh, the Egyptians were defeated with all of these plagues and the Red Sea was parted and Pharaoh's army was drowned. All of these things, I know that you did those, but this little delay, eh, we, better, we better figure something else out now. Right? Can, can, can we, I, don't, I don't know that any of us could possibly understand what they were thinking. Their enemies were defeated. Uh, Not only were the Egyptians defeated, the Amalekites were defeated miraculously. Uh, That's the story in Exodus chapter 17 where Moses held his hands up and as long as his hands were held in the air, uh, they prevailed against the Amalekites. And uh, he held his hands up so long that Aaron and Hur had to stay his hands up so that they could win the battle. 
another miracle of God. God had taken care of them up to this point very clearly, and yet they quickly turned aside. Not only had God provided for them, but God had also given them clear direction. Right? God had initially promised the land of Canaan to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob, who later was renamed Israel. Since they left Egypt, through all of the miracles, they were led by day by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire by night. That very same pillar of cloud was over the mountain that they were camped at the base of. Moses in Exodus chapter 24 had in fact even told them what he was going to do. Let's look back at that Exodus chapter 24. Verse 12, the Lord said unto Moses, come up to me in the mount and and, and be there, and I will give thee tables of stone and a law and commandments which I have written that thou mayest teach them. And Moses rose up and his minister Joshua, and Moses went up to the mount of God, and he said unto the elders, "Tarry uh, tarry ye here for us until we come again unto you, and behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. If any man have matters to do, let him come to them. And Moses went up into the mount, and a cloud covered the mount. And the glory of the Lord uh, abode uh, upon Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days, and the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud. So not only did uh, God give them direction and a promise through Abraham, Moses set, I would say, pretty good expectations for him. He's like, hey, I'm going to go up here into the mountain and receive this law from God just wait here till I come back. You would think that with all of the signs that God had clearly done in Egypt and the wilderness up to this point, the promises that God had made to Abraham and the, the, the pillar of cloud that God had demonstrated for them as clear direction is where they would go. How could they turn so quickly aside? Not only had God provided for them, given them direction, but God had given them other instructions as well to where uh, making a molten calf was definitely something that they had no business doing and they could not claim ignorance in this sin. Just a few chapters before Exodus 32 and chapter 19, they entered into a covenant with God to keep His laws and to serve only Him. In chapter 24, Uh, Excuse me, in chapter 20, verse 25, uh, God specifically told them that they they should not make any uh, graven images of gold or silver. They made a vow in chapter 24, verse 7, that they would keep the laws that God had given them. Which, making a gold calf was obviously a violation of the vow that they had just recently made to God. They needed just a bit of patience for a short time before God would take them on to the promised land as He had promised. And yet in Exodus chapter 32, we find them quickly turning aside. We find them getting tired of waiting on what God was going to do in their life. And so they took matters into their own hands. And I want to kind of 
break my message up into two parts. I think uh, this message applies to us in a number of ways. We could spend weeks and weeks going through this passage, but I want to break it up into two parts. I want us to first examine ourselves and the delays that we face individually and how we should handle those and confront those by learning from the mistakes of the people of God here. And then also uh, learn from the mistakes that Aaron made in trying to help others who are in the midst of struggling. And so uh, we're going to first look at uh, dealing with the delays of our lives. And let's look up at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This is actually a very significant story in the Old Testament. A very significant event in the history of Israel. And it's mentioned many, many times throughout the rest of the Bible. They say, why are we talking about the Old Testament? That's the Old Testament. We should talk about the New Testament. Well, the stuff is in the Old Testament for us and for a purpose. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 6 says, Now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, neither be ye idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in a day three and twenty thousand. And so uh, here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the Bible gives reference to Exodus chapter 32 and uses the exact same warning. The people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. They committed idolatry in the wilderness. And the reason why we have the Old Testament today, the reason why this is important for us today is because these people are an example to us that we should not do the same thing that they did. Well, now hold on a second. I don't know that any of us are that dumb. Right? Are, are any of us really that dumb to where God does so many things for us? God has given us clear instructions and we just decide to go our own way in spite of those things. I, I don't know that any of us could possibly do such a thing. I, I say it completely sarcastically. But just as grievous as the error the Israelites made, just as obnoxiously dumb we look at them to be, we say, you know, I, you, got, you guys, are, you, you've lost your mind. The same can be said of us when we forsake our God, when we are just weary in waiting on what God has for us down the road. Has not God done so much for us to this point in our life? Has not God given us clear instructions has not God performed many, uh, many marvelous things in our life to this point to where we should not be able to help but say, uh, I'm only going to serve the Lord? We find ourselves often in situations where we're uncomfortable, where we're waiting for what's going to happen next in life. And if we're in the midst of those situations now, or uh, when we find ourselves in the midst of these situations, it's very easy for us to make choices that are directly sinful or will lead to sin. And so if we're going to deal with these delays in life, the first thing I want to challenge us is we need to avoid making drastic decisions in the midst of a time where we are weary or a time where we are struggling. Avoid making drastic decisions. I don't know that a more drastic decision could have been made by the people of Israel than completely changing up the God that they were going to serve. Whether they would recognize it as such or not. By the way, Aaron called it a feast to the Lord. 
They said that these are the gods that brought them out of Egypt. And so whether they were saying, hey, this is a representation of our God or not, uh, because it was not the way that God had told them to worship, they were not worshiping the God that they said they were worshiping. And so either way, they made a very drastic error in that day where they chose to quickly turn aside from following the God that had done so much for them. I don't know about you, but often I look back at decisions that I've made in haste or in times where you know, I've kind of been in a pinch and say, you know what, I wish I would have handled that differently. You know, we often say things we regret saying when we don't stop and think before we say them. We, when we make decisions without thinking them through, without seeking the proper perspective, we make a lot of bad decisions. My Bible says the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. He that answereth the matter before he heareth it, it is a folly and a shame to him. And so, making drastic decisions in the midst of a time of difficulty is an unwise thing for us to do. And I know we read just through verse 14, but I want to read a few more verses and just to kind of get a little bit uh, 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 deeper picture of what's going on here. Uh, verse 15, it says, And Moses turned and went down from the mount, and the two tables of the testimony were in his hand. The tables were written on both sides, on the one side and on the other side, uh, and on the other were they written. And the tables were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God graven upon the tables. And when Joshua heard the noise of people as they shouted, he said unto Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. And he said, it is not the voice of them that shout for mastery, neither is it the voice of them that uh, cry for being overcome, but the noise of them that sing do I hear. And it came to pass as soon as he came nigh to the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing, and Moses' anger waxed hot, and he cast the tables out of his hands and brake them beneath the mount. And he took the calf which they had made and burnt it, in the fire and ground it to powder, strawed it upon the water, and made the children of Israel to drink of it. We'll go ahead and stop right there for now. We get a little bit deeper picture of what the people of Israel did. Not only did they make a molten calf, but their sin of idolatry led them to more sin after that in addition to the initial sin. And so, one of the dangers that we face when we make drastic decisions without thinking things through, or drastic decisions when we are uh, uh, kind of struggling is we can make the wrong decision, and those wrong decisions often compound the situation to be even worse than it already was. Their loss of faith due to their impatience is mentioned over and over again in Scripture, as I said. Think with me for a moment. Has God brought you to where you're at today to abandon you? Has God brought you to the place that you are at to destroy you? I don't think so. I can't find, I can't find any Bible to support that type of claim. Right? Uh, in fact, the prayer of Moses that said, you know what, hey, you know, the Egyptians are going to say, you brought them out just to destroy them, was, the reason, was part of why God changed His mind about destroying the people for their sin. And so, God is not going to bring one of His children to uh, any place in life just to destroy us. God has a plan and a purpose for us. And if we neglect 
to follow God in the midst of these situations, we will make very damaging decisions for us, for our family, for those who are in the circle of our life. Waiting for what God has next for us is difficult. In those times, we must avoid making drastic decisions. And if we're going uh, to avoid that initial pitfall of making bad decisions, uh, we need to do all that we can next to see the situation accurately and then set proper expectations. So avoid making drastic decisions and next seek to see the situation properly and set uh, expectations accordingly. The fundamental problem that the people had was in verse 1 where they saw that Moses delayed and jumped to all kinds of conclusions just from that one thing that they saw. They saw that Moses delayed and all of the things that happened after that were the result of that bad idea of the situation. That bad perception of what was going on. And I don't have to be the first person to admit that when I see a situation wrong, I usually don't do the right thing. Right? When we see the situation correctly, that's how we can respond correctly. Believing God to have taken their leader away, uh, they turned back to an Egyptian mindset. Uh, if you look at uh, Acts chapter 7, go ahead and turn there real quick. It's very interesting. The way uh, This is another mention of this particular story in the Bible. Acts chapter 7. We're going to start in verse 39. The Bible says, To whom our fathers would not obey, that's referring to Moses, but thrust him from them, and in their hearts turned back again to Egypt, saying unto Aaron, Make us gods to go before us. For as for this Moses, which brought us out of the land of Egypt, we what not is become of him. And they made a calf in those days and offered sacrifice unto the idol and rejected the works uh, uh, and rejoiced in the works of their own hands. It says they turned back again to Egypt. When we make bad decisions in a difficult time, when we don't see the situation properly and when we don't have the proper expectations, we often will revert to a worldly mindset or a uh, non-spiritual mindset at how to handle a situation. The way that we would commonly refer to that is taking matters into our own hands. Right? That, uh, we, we call it taking matters into our own hands to justify our lack of faith in God in the situation. Right? What it really is, is uh, when we don't see the situation right and we take matters into our own hands, we do a lot of stupid things. Their hearts turned back again to Egypt. One of the first things that we do when we don't see a situation properly is we forsake God. Seeking to see a situation the right way requires God's involvement. Right? We, we, can't, we can't possibly look at the situations in our life accurately without the help and the wisdom of God. Right? The eternal God who has all wisdom, whose foolishness is wiser than man, has a lot more insight as to how we should live our life than we could possibly have from our own perspective. And so, if we're going to see a situation right, we must turn to God rather than turn away from God. If we're seeing a situation accurately, we're going to set better short-term expectations for us, for ourselves. Excuse me. In verse 1, they, they, they saw that Moses was gone. They still wanted to go to the promised land. And so, they said, let us 
make us some new gods to go before us, is what it said. Some, so let us make gods to go before us. So they, they, they still wanted to go where uh, the blessing of God was going to be. They still wanted all the things that God had told them, Jehovah God had told them, but they wanted to get there their own way. Jehovah had brought them out of nearly 400 years of slavery, brought them across the Red Sea, accomplished countless miracles for them to this point, but this unexpected delay caused them to decide to make new gods for themselves altogether. One thing that I thought was very interesting, and uh, if I, I, I've already mentioned it, but the delay that Moses had while he was up in the mountain, what was he getting up there? He was getting the law of God. That's what, uh, I'm, that was what would have been communicated to the people, right? Uh, we read in Exodus chapter 24 that God told Moses to come up so that he could give his people the law that he would have them follow. And rather than waiting on finding out what God wanted from them on how they should live their life, they wanted the blessing and provision of God without having to follow the plan that God had set in motion for them to get those things. We want the blessing of God in our life, but we don't want to consult the Word of God for how to live our life to receive those blessings. Right? I, I, I wonder if that was part of the, ah, this, the, 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 the rule, all these rules that God had made. God brought us out of Egypt. We don't need all those rules. We could just go to the promised land like God promised us. We don't need all those extra rules. All those things, the Bible, oh, uh, man, the, the, the Bible says this, or, you know, the, this, is, this is what God wants from us. You know, that's not as important as, you know, the, these other things. As long as we get where God wants us to go, that's the important thing. How, how we live every day is not that big of a deal. That same sentiment is very common among Christians today. We're not as interested in the words of God. We want the provision and blessing of God. And so we want things from God, but we don't want to do things God's way. When we've avoided the drastic decisions and uh, are seeing the situation accurately, we need to focus on doing right today rather than only looking towards what the future has for us. Focus on doing right today rather than only worrying about the future. They wanted to get to the promised land. Great. I'm sure God wanted them to desire to get to the promised land. But there was a little delay that they had to wait on while Moses was up in the mountain getting the, getting the law from God. Incidentally enough, their poor decision making led to Moses breaking the tables and having to go back up into the mountain to get them again. And so uh, I, I wonder how often our bad decisions have complicated our life to the point where it's taken us even longer than it should have to get, the, uh, uh, to get where God wants us to be. When we grow overly focused on uh, what is coming next, it will greatly increase our uneasiness in the present. Right? You're struggling right now. If all you do is look towards the future, look towards what you don't have yet, look towards what you think you're going to have in the future, you're going to be even more upset in your present. Right? God has something for you right now. God, did, God, uh, God is not only concerned about our future, God's concerned about how we live our lives right now. What was going on at the, at the foot of that mountain was important to God, and what the people did was displeasing to God regardless of what they thought was going to happen in the future. 
Focusing only on what is happening right now and what will happen in the future will cause us to overlook the things that God has done for us in the past. It will cause us to neglect important decisions in the present. And will cause us to make bad decisions for our future. If we're only focused on what's going to come in the future, uh, often we'll take shortcuts to get there on our timetable rather than God's timetable. Right? Uh, I, I, know, I know that parents want to encourage their young people to be pure, and they should, right? It's, uh, you need to wait for the person that God has for you uh, to give yourself to that person, right? We, we understand that, but as adults, we look, like, we look at instances like that and say, there's nothing like that that applies in my life today. Oh, there's a lot of things that we need to wait on for God today as adults, too. Just like we understand now because many of us have already been down that road, we understand that when we wait for the person God has for us, our life and our marriage is so much better. The situation that we're facing now, if we wait on God and what God has for us, our situation in the future will be much better. cannot take shortcuts to the blessing of God. We cannot get the blessing of God our way. So when we're struggling, when we're weary of waiting, when we don't know what God is doing, we need to avoid making drastic decisions. We need to just stay faithful in those times. When, when we're in the midst of those times, we need to make sure that we're looking at the situation accurately and setting proper expectations for ourselves and for God. And we need to focus on doing right today and let God worry about the future. It's really important that we handle ourselves well in, this, in this situ, these types of situations because uh, we often will also find ourselves in situations where people close to us are struggling. Right? Aaron was left behind by Moses to be in charge of the people, and Aaron did not help them one bit. Not one bit. Right? Uh, God looked at Aaron uh, when, Moses, when he had called Moses to go and uh, get the people out of Egypt. God had said Aaron uh, was mighty in word. Aaron was a fantastic speaker. He, he, he was someone who had, the, uh, uh, had, had what we would call the gift of prophecy, prophecy. He was someone who could probably persuade an audience. He was the one that uh, was the mouthpiece for Moses to proclaim the words of God to Pharaoh in Egypt. He had the guts to stand up to Pharaoh, the most powerful leader on earth at that time, and tell him, God said, let the people go. But he didn't have the courage to stand up to the people of Israel and say, hey, uh, you probably shouldn't make a molten calf. And so, we need to be people who are able to help others when they're struggling. So as we have successfully navigated through the struggles of our life to this point, there's going to be opportunities for us to help others in their journey. And as we look at Aaron and how he handled this situation, we see that he did a very poor job. If we're going to help others uh, as they deal with struggles and difficulties in their life, we need to use our influence to point others to a closer relationship with God. Aaron basically did the exact opposite. He failed miserably in this. Instead of being truthful with the people of Israel, Aaron helped them sin. You realize that? He helped them along the way. 
He, I mean, he did exactly what they wanted him to do. He, he probably was nice about it. But in, but in the end, he hurt him. As we interact with others who are struggling, we must always look to actively aid people in the doing of right rather than either passively or actively allowing them to continue on a bad path. Aaron blurred the lines of what was right and wrong in the eyes of the people. Let's look at verse 5 of Exodus chapter 32. So he makes the golden calf. And then we come to verse 5. It says, And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And if you look at the end of the verse, it's a, uh, the, the word Lord there, it's all capital letters referring to Jehovah God. And so he called a feast to the Lord, the right God with this golden calf. So Aaron was, what, what, what he, I mean, he was mo- basically second in command to Moses at the time. I mean, uh, you know, he, he, he was somebody that people were supposed to look to for guidance and instruction. And very clearly here we see that he blurred the lines of what was right and wrong. They were not supposed to make a, golden, uh, a graven image of any kind. They were not supposed to worship it or sacrifice to it. And Aaron not only made the calf for them, but he said, hey, we're going to have a feast to the Lord with this calf here. Just because someone calls the God they follow Jesus doesn't mean they're following Jesus. Just because Aaron called this a feast to the Lord did not make it a feast to the Lord by any stretch of the word. We follow the true Jesus when we align ourselves with the Bible, not our idea or perception or who we believe Jesus to be. And so though Aaron may, in his heart of hearts, might have thought, it's like, yeah, uh, this, this is a feast to the Lord. That did not make him right. That did not make what he said any better. It did not uh, uh, diminish the sin before God. On top of that, he... He, he laid all the blame on the people. He blamed them. Right? He didn't take any responsibility whatsoever. But as people, as Christian people today, we're, there's going to be people in our life who are struggling. There's going to be people that we know that are going through a rough time. And you know what? In those times, it is important for us to be an influence that points them to a closer relationship with God by standing for what's right, by standing for truth, and by coming alongside that person and helping them to get closer to God rather than you know, just trying to uh, make them feel better or give them what they want. And, and, and I understand that that's not an easy thing to do. right? Because a lot of times it feels like we're getting kicked when we're down when people are truthful with us when, uh, when we're struggling. Right? My dad's really good at that. He's like, hey, hey dad, I'm, I'm kind of struggling with this. Well, it's like, this is right, this is right, this is right. You're wrong here, 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 here. All right, thanks. <laughs> but you know what? I, I, I might not like it in that moment, the advice that I get, but if it's good biblical advice, I'd rather have that than somebody who just tells me to, hey, you know, you do you, you know, just get through this time and uh, do the best you can. Right? We, we need people who will speak truth. Aaron could have uh, helped them avoid this entire situation had he had the courage to stand up for what was right. 
We need to use our influence to point others to a closer relationship with God. We need to also be a stabilizing influence to those who are struggling around us. Aaron gave in to the whims of the immature people rather than teaching them the truth. I know he stood before Pharaoh and proclaimed, you know, let, the, let my people go, thus saith the Lord. Aaron did all of that, but you know, the people, it's often hardest to bring that stabilizing uh, presence to are the people in our family and people close to us. Amen. Right? Uh, I, it's, a, it's a lot easier for me to go on visitation and knock on doors of people I don't know and invite them to church and say, hey, uh, you know, if you die in your sins, you know, you're going to go to hell someday than it is for me to go to somebody in my family and say that. Though we have an obligation to say it to both. When people are struggling around us, regardless of your position, you should seek to bring stability to the situation. Aaron could have I mean, I understand the difficulty of being completely truthful and honest and just hitting them as hard as he can. You know, maybe he did not have the strength to do that, but he could have just said, you know what, guys, let's just wait a little bit longer. Right? He didn't have to say, hey, you already vowed to, vowed to the Lord that you wouldn't make a golden image. You already vowed to the Lord that you would serve only Him. You vowed that you would never bow down to another image and sacrifice to it. Uh, you're doing all of this stuff. This is wicked before God. Even if he did not have the strength to say that, he could have just said, hey guys, let's just wait a little bit longer. You know, he did, he did say we'd wait here for a while. Maybe, you know, the cloud's still there. Um, you know, I don't think, I think Moses is up there. Right? He, he didn't even have to take that strong of a stand to, to be a help. But he, he, did, the, he did the opposite. He, he gave in to the whims of the immature. And, uh, you know, uh, ch- children is probably the easiest thing that we can look at and say, you know what, kids want a lot of things that they don't need. Even teenagers want a lot of things they don't need. You know, parent, you can, you can hold your ground a little bit and say, you know what, uh, Hoss, you don't need an iPhone 13 Pro. You get one of those flip phones. I'd give them a flip phone. I know that probably makes a lot of them mad. You should look at their screen time and see how much time they spend on their phone. Extra seven, eight hours a day, you could, I mean, just imagine how clean your house could be. And that's, that's just the time they spent on their phones. I don't know why we got off on that, but you know, we'll, we'll see. Aaron did not take a stand whatsoever for the truth. And though we look at the situation now that they were in, and we very clearly see the uh, proper course of action that they should have taken, they did not. And Aaron didn't help them along that way. Most friends, most people that we call friends, we call them friends because they go along with everything that we're, that essentially we say to them. Right? A, a real friend is someone who listens and hears what we have to say and you know empathizes with us. That's what a friend should do that. But a true friend should do more than just listen and empathize. A true friend should always point us to the truth as well. 
And if you are uh, in a if someone in your circle of life, a friend, a family member, a relative, a spouse, a child that is in your home, if they're struggling, you need to bring stability to that situation by listening and empathizing with them, but also by telling the truth when the truth needs to be told. Kind of with our, our, our last point, you know, we see that uh, Aaron was a terrible example in helping others who were struggling. Moses took the opposite approach when the people had failed and the people had sinned. Moses, yes, he was angry with them, but you know what? He went to God first. He went to God first on their behalf. When Moses learned of their great sin, he asked God uh, to spare the people. Verse 11, he says that he besought the Lord. I know this is really simple, but the first thing that we should do, the first response that we should have when someone in our life is struggling is to take it to the Lord. We don't need to look for self-help books to recommend. We don't need to look for flowery statements that we can give or uh, look for gifts that we can give. We need to take that situation to the Lord first. In conclusion, I know that all of us will struggle at times. All of us have difficulties in our life. And it's in those times where we need to make sure that we continue by faith when things aren't going as fast as we want them to go. If you're struggling, don't make any big decisions while you're struggling. Right? I, I, I cannot stress that enough. I cannot stress how important that is. I cannot stress how important it is for us to see each situation accurately. Don't make big decisions. Look at the situation right and focus on doing what's right today and trust the Lord with the rest. When we fail, we need to trust in the mercy and long-suffering of God. I think that's another big takeaway that we have from this because just like the people of Israel, we all have done stuff just as stupid as what they did in Exodus chapter 32. And you know what? The Lord was merciful to them. He spared them and still took them to the promised land. Right? If you failed... Don't sit there and beat yourself up all day. Repent, turn from that sin, and go back to God. Move forward. Be a good influence rather than a neutral or a bad influence on those who are struggling in your life by pointing them to Christ. And lastly, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, today's a great day to turn to Him in faith. We have no promise of help through the struggles of life absent Christ in our life. You don't have Christ in your life just because you came to church this morning. You are not a Christian just because you declare it to be so. You're a Christian because you've been born again as the, Bible, uh, as the Bible describes being born again. Putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior is how you can have that relationship with Him. So with every head bowed and eyes closed, uh, I'm going to ask our musician to come forward and we're going to have a moment of invitation. Let's stand to our feet. And if you have business that you need to do with the Lord, this morning is a great time to do it.